path of righteousness and the path of unrighteousness and the consequences that come with both paths. And you're aware that there are students in the assembly who have chosen to take the path of unrighteousness. And it deeply burdens my heart. And it hurts me greatly. And it should hurt you. And I want to encourage you to continue to study the Word of God and to feast upon the things of God so that your path might be made strong and that your consequences might be that of blessedness. And to take that in a very serious way, in a very personal way. And as we have those in our midst who are choosing not to do that on a daily basis, to reach out to them and touch them in love and to realize that when one of us goes down the pipe, it hurts all of us. It is not an individual problem. It is a corporate problem. Let's pray. Father, we would not assume that our school is not without its problems. And God, there are those in our midst in this room right now and others outside of the room who have chosen not to walk with you. And in the hard-heartedness of their heart, they have spurned your word. They have neglected their time with you each day. They are not as the man who is like a tree firmly planted by the river of living water. And it causes us to stop and to face the reality, to examine our own lives for two things, that yes, we are in the Word daily and we are walking with you and that we are caring about those who are not. I pray that this would not be a superficial place, a place that denies the problems, but a place where we can openly acknowledge those and deal with those in a biblical manner. May we confront those who are in sin in a loving manner. May we bring them to accountability. Let the holiness and the integrity of your name as it is attached to this place might be maintained. Thank you, Father, for the great redemption that we have in Christ. Thank you for your tremendous love. Thank you for the oceans of forgiveness that swallow up our sin. Because there would go I, but by the grace of God. Continue to perform your perfect work in us and to complete us. Keep our path straight. Keep us humble. And we'll thank you for these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.
We're so thrilled that this week is a part of our chapel experience. Each day, each chapel day, we're giving it to uh, another trip in our missions conference. And of course, we heard from Impact 86 on Monday, and today it's I Care, and on Friday it will be Campus Conquest. And I hope that all of us can really revel in what God is doing. It's a time to reflect on what God has done to to rejoice and to participate through just the hearing of, of how he's worked in other students' lives. And I think if you'll remember in the Old Testament, oftentimes before a big battle, God would call his people um, to reflect upon what he had done. And so they'd go all the way back to the Exodus and all the plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea, and they'd remember Jericho, and they'd remember all the wonderful, mighty deeds that God had done. And I guess in a certain way we're kind of doing that. We're just stopping and we're going to give God glory in, in days of celebration for remarkable evidence of his spirit as he works through our missions conference. So in your heart, as you hear this stuff, do that with God. Give him the glory and praise him and honor him because truly miraculous things happen. There's no question about that. And before I have R.W. Mackey, who headed up I Care, come and, and lead us in that time, I want to make just a few announcements because it's Wednesday. Um, we have some special people in our midst. Um, Terry Bissonette and his wife are here. Would you stand? Where are you? There you are. Your wife's not here. Well, that's our loss. Welcome. He comes to us from Arctic Missions, and he'll have a display uh, today up in the dining center. And they're involved in church planning in, in Alaska. Very, very exciting and wonderful ministry. Harvey and um, Don Strauss as well as uh, Dennis and Judy Carlson. And these are good friends of Bob Provost. They're a part of SEND International, and Bob is a part or a member of their board. They're here, and if you'd stand, we'd like to welcome you as well. <laughs> SEND International is a fantastic missionary group, um, and they'll have a display in the Dining Center today only as well. We welcome you to our campus and thank the Lord that you're here. Um, the Bloodmobile is coming next Wednesday, seven days from today, and we still have a lot of opportunities for you to sign up and put your name on the dotted line, if you know what I mean. They'll be here March 19th from 9.15 to 2 o'clock, and they'll 
The sign-up sheets are in the cafeteria and at the switchboard. And if you have any questions, please check with Nurse Howe. Um, two other things. Don't forget the chapel uh, Friday, this Friday, will be in the gym. So it's not quite so long a walk. Something positive in every announcement, right? The next thing is the sound system. I, apparently there is some concern about the sound system that we're thinking about for Hotchkiss. And we don't want to push anything on anybody. If you get my drift, it, I'll tell you how it started. Um, we were having a, our spring orientation for the students, and we were all up in Hotchkiss Lounge and kind of enjoying some refreshments, and there was no music, and it was kind of flat. And, and all of a sudden, they put on some music, and it was just fun. I mean, all of a sudden, people were talking. It was a little more active, a little more atmosphere. And so a bunch of us kind of looked at each other and said, wow, why don't we do this? I mean, why do we only have this kind of fellowship and atmosphere when we're welcoming new students? So we kind of thought about it and talked to a bunch of students, and they thought it sounded like a good idea, and came up with the idea that maybe a sound system could be put in that would um, have all of its music screened through the ASB and dorm staff so that no radical music that would be potentially offensive to a great number of people would appear uh, uh, or be played, and then also that um, the deck would actually be controlled inside of a box, and the sound levels would be determined so that they'd be appropriate and not wake everybody up if people are sleeping or whatever that would happen to be. But apparently, um, there are some students who, maybe many of you, who have concerns about that. And the last thing that we would ever want to do is violate your rights or your concerns for the dorm. We thought it was a positive thing as we talked to some students. So what we'd like to do is um, invite, actually Kelly Bird will head that up, invite you to a meeting tonight at 10, 10 o'clock in Hotchkiss Lounge. It's a very friendly time. If you have concerns or if you're in favor of it and you'd like to get together and think these things through and talk about it and feel a little more ownership in the situation, please come to that. And if it doesn't work out, no problem. You know, hey, no big deal. If a sound system is going to work there, that's fine. No hurt, no hurt feelings, no problems. It's just whatever you guys want. So tonight at 10 o'clock in, um, in Hotchkiss Lounge, if you have some concerns or you have some good thoughts on it, why don't you come and be a part of it? Okay? So at this time, let's get on with the show and welcome R.W. Mackey. Thanks, Russ. It was a great time that we had this last week working with Operation I Care. I was thinking, uh, because I've been here at the school for a few years, I was thinking back over past missions conferences that we've had. And I thought about how that in the past, when we'd have a missionary conference, we'd get together and we'd listen to missionaries share what they had been doing. And then we'd look at their slides and see what they'd been doing. And this year, we went out and became missionaries. We come back and share what we've been doing, and we're the ones in the slides. You know, it's great. And uh, it's just really exciting to have an opportunity to report back to you some of the things that, uh, that we've been able to partake in. And we simply would take that kind of an attitude, too, because we were constantly reminded during the three days that we ministered that, that some sow and some water, but it's God that gives the increase. And we talk about anything that's done of a spiritual nature. We're not sharing with you at all anything that, that was neat about us. We're just simply sharing with you what God and His sovereignty chose to do through us. And we just had the blessing of being there when it happened. 
And what a blessing that was and, and how excited and how fired up we got as we had the opportunity just to, to be present when God was working. We kind of felt like Moses coming down off Mount Sinai a little bit and uh, just to be a, a little bit in the presence of God when he chooses to do something. The strategy began to develop some months ago for Operation I Care. We wanted to move out under the auspices of, of this of the church that meets in this particular facility, Grace Baptist Church, and move out under their auspices and begin to contact people in this valley in regards to what the church is all about, what they have to offer, but more importantly, make contact with them regarding their own relationship with Jesus Christ and to see if, if in fact, they are interested in discovering a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, so we began to do that. We began to think about where we wanted to go. And we decided that there are two new developments in this valley. One is in Sagas and one is in Valencia. And so we targeted those new developments. But then as God began to add to our numbers in terms of the people that were going out, and that's a story in and of itself, just the way that the team grew over the period of about two months. And before we knew it, we had three times as many people than we originally thought that we would have. We had to do things like order three times as many brochures and tracks as we were going to originally use and all kinds of neat problems that developed as a result of that growth. And uh, and and then we, we went ahead and we were able to contact some established communities here in the valley as well as the new some of the new areas. And uh, we, we, we began to struggle, too, with an identity problem as we thought about doing this. We thought about, when we go out there, how are people going to know that we're not Jehovah Witness or Mormons, you know, because they really, they really work this valley hard. And uh, so we developed the concept of the I Care T-shirt at that point, and we figured they're going to know for sure that uh, we're something different when they see us out there on the street with these T-shirts on and. And it worked out pretty good. People did know that we were something totally different and uh, even got a few compliments on the design of the T-shirt and so on and so forth that we were real happy about. The, uh, the numbers that we wound up with in terms of the, the work that was accomplished, by the time that uh, the team was established on Wednesday morning and we began to train to go out, uh, we had 72 people involved in our ministry. And I just like for that whoever out of that 72 is here right now, I just like for you to stand so you'll get an idea of who was involved in in operation I care. And so we were involved in training on Wednesday morning and then on Wednesday afternoon we went out into the community and began to circulate and, and then we went out again Thursday morning, Friday afternoon, set, uh, excuse me, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, Friday morning and, and again Friday afternoon. And uh, during that period of time we were able to uh, penetrate with the gospel 5,000 homes here in this particular value. Or valley, and uh, 
we're just excited about that. We don't know how many people that represents, maybe 15, 20,000 people potentially that, that we've been able to get the gospel into their environment. And just a, what we thought, I, I thought going out, I thought, I wonder just how open this valley will be. And uh, I, would, I would just say that we probably averaged about two homes out of a hundred that we would go to where they weren't interested in receiving the information. And, and then a lot, of, a lot of people were interested in talking to us. And we had some really rich times out there, which I'm going to allow the others to share. One of the highlights for me in terms of working with the members of the team was, first of all, just to, just to witness the commitment of the team members and the people that came out. And they were so committed, and there was, there was a lot of compassion on the part of the team. And, and that compassion began to grow as we got out there and, and began to share our faith. And we realized just how desperately lost so many people are. I mean, it's one thing to be lost and to know it and to know you're lost and to recognize your lostness. It's another thing to be lost and not even care about it and not even recognize it or not even want to deal with your spiritual condition. And when you're lost like that, you're really lost. You're in, you're in sad condition. And so our compassion began to grow as we would encounter people in, in that condition. And then I was just really impressed with the endurance of the team. I didn't know if as our ministry went on, because, uh, you know, we would have a time of where we would go out and then we would break up for a while and, and people would go back to their rooms and wherever. And I didn't know how many would come out for that next time. And the numbers, boys, just stayed right there. Everybody that started, to my knowledge, finished. And uh, we finished strong, and we were excited when we finished and, and with that ministry. And, and uh, so I'm just really proud of everybody on the group. And I really got uh, just a tremendous blessing personally out of being involved in this. I think one real highlight for the group was getting to see Dr. Duncan in a T-shirt. He, uh, he practically got a standing ovation when he came into the training session that morning and had it on. You know, we thought he spent all of his time in a shirt and tie, you know, and uh, so it was an amazing thing for us. What I want to do, I could take the whole time and just share with you things that happened to me when I was out there, but I really want to allow some of the members of the team that have volunteered to come up and share with you today to do so. And, and so a group's going to come up and share with you, and then, and then Lindsay's going to give a testimony, and then Pastor Don from Grace Baptist Church, who worked with Grace Baptist and coordinated this. Grace Baptist made a tremendous commitment, not only in terms of human resources, but they made a big financial commitment into this project as well. And Pastor Don Coddington is going to come and just share with you some of the response on the part of the church. And then we have another group that's going to come up and share what happened in, uh, with them as well. And then uh, I'll just wrap things up a little bit. And so I'd invite the first group just to come up now and, and we'll get involved in some sharing. guys are funny looking. Uh, open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. No, I'm just kidding. That was, an, that was supposed to be an impression of John MacArthur. 
And uh, that's probably the first one you'll ever hear because I probably won't be asked to come back here. No. But uh, I sort of had some reservations about coming in here this morning and speaking. And uh, let me show those why. Um, R.W. Mackey asked me if I'd like to come here and uh, share a little bit about what happened on the team. And uh, I thought that was really neat because the Lord really worked beyond what I could even think or even ask. And uh, so I was really excited about it. But then when I came in here this morning, I overheard uh, one of the fellows say to the guy next to him when he found out I was going to be here. And he said, how in the world did this joker Artavanis get in the deck? And so uh, I'd just like you to know that uh, R.W. does have some weaknesses. And in one of his weaker moments, he asked me to come here and speak. And I'll try not to let him down. But anyways, uh, I would have to say if I could sum up the whole thing, it would have to be in one word. And it was awesome just to see how the Lord worked. Um, the first day we went out and uh, we learned a little bit how to share our faith. And, and I wasn't really that scared because uh, I've, I've done it you know, a lot of times. And uh, so I was all ready to go out there. And uh, the van dropped us off at the first house. Now, I wasn't sure if I was the victim or if they were the victim. And uh, I stepped off the uh, van with my uh, partner, Nancy Myers. And uh, my heart was just beating. It was like a locomotive at high speed. And Nancy asked me, she said, uh, how come your watch is ticking so loud? And I said, that's my heart. But uh, Nancy's an incredible partner. She's a really godly girl. As a matter of fact, she's almost as godly as Betty Walling. No, Betty told me to say that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, we, went to the, we, went to, <laughs> we went to the first door. And uh, my prayer life is pretty good. I got a pretty good prayer life, I think. And I was praying all the way after that first door, and I prayed that God would answer my prayers. And as I was knocking on the door, I was praying that nobody would answer that door. But uh, uh, as <laughs> that didn't happen, the lady opened the door, and my eyeballs popped out about five feet. And I looked over at Nancy, and she was wearing the same expression as I was. It was like looking in a mirror, and so we ran. No, not really. <laughs> we stayed there, and... Uh, and uh, and the Lord gave us a lot of boldness there. I think a lot of times when we're the most fearful, He'll give us the most joy. And what impressed me the most was just seeing how He worked and how He went out here and how He prepared the hearts. It was incredible. Let me illustrate this story. This is really amazing. We went to the door. We knocked on the door. And this lady opened the door. And we told her where we were from. And she goes, you got to come in here. And she goes like this. And I thought it was going to be a Holy Ghost revival right there. And, and she goes, you guys better sit down for this one. So... Uh, we sat down and she goes like this again and she goes, you're not going to believe this, but I was in the shower last night and these Mormons have been coming to my door. They've been teaching me and I don't know what to do. And I pray, Lord, just send somebody to me. Send somebody to me. And here we come on the door and she was as shocked as I was and everybody was shocked as everybody there. And, uh, and, uh, and that's just one instance. I think everybody has, uh, has the same story to tell. I remember uh, Steve Dixon sitting over there the first time he picked us up. He, uh, he's going, yeah, the Lord really used me to lead somebody to Christ. And then when we got back in the group, everybody had the same story. The Lord worked here, and He did this, and He, and he did this, and it was, it was amazing. But uh, uh, whenever the Lord works, I think Satan works too. And we had a couple doors slammed in our face. And so what I would do after that is I would stick my foot between the door, and I'd read them the four spiritual laws so they couldn't shut the door on me. No, I didn't do that. But um, i got to tell you this story because... 
this is a this is one of the funniest stories I've ever heard, and it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is the best sense of humor that I have ever heard in my life. And if you don't believe that, you should see my brother when he gets up in the morning, and and I I say God, I said you made that. No, if he heard me say that, he'd get mad at me. But he keeps me awake because he snores at night. But uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, here's the story. Scott McCloskey went out with Tammy Melton, and uh, and the Lord has a way of um, getting back. And anyways, uh, what happened was the lady was about to slam the door on their face. And if you don't believe in miracles, you should, because what happened is there was an angel standing right between them. And when the lady was about to shut the door, an angel pulled her arm through the door, and she slammed the the door on her arm. So, uh, anyways. And, you know, I don't have too much time, so i got to try to talk quick, but you're just listening quick. But anyways, uh, uh, I think more than that, you know, I'm not trying to hype this up or any. I'm just coming, it's coming out natural, but I think, <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to share this, but uh, when uh, R.W. Mackey first asked me to speak, I was going to say, I don't know if I can speak for over two minutes, but the librarian doesn't think that because I think I'm on her 10 most wanted list. Along with Dave Peterson, I hope that, but, but uh, anyways, more than that, I think, was uh, just the fellowship, I think, that, that bound our group together. It was incredible, just the union, just the presence of the Spirit of God there. And uh, I think I went away with just a more desire to have a deeper and a more intimate relationship with my Christian brothers and sisters. And I was telling a couple of guys before, I said, if, if I don't go out here, then, uh, then I know I'm going to be missing a lot. And I had a friend of mine, well, I wasn't going to share this, but uh, maybe I should. Dave Frost didn't go out the first day. And he had an appointment that morning with Pastor Pillow and Deacon Sheets in his bedroom. But, uh, <laughs> that must be Kathy Hotchkiss. But, uh, but, uh, but Dave went out the, the next two days and he said, he goes, man, you were right, Steve. He goes, it was, it was amazing. And it was. And if I would not have gone out, then I, I know I would have missed a whole lot. And that, that's basically what I wanted to say. Thank you. I guess um, he was, some people, you know, they, they've done this sort of thing before. But I'd never gone out and shared, never gone out and shared um, my faith when I won um, with people that I didn't know. I shared it with people that, I'd, you know, that were around me and that I knew, but not, not like this. And I was scared to death. So when I went out, I didn't know what to expect. And... I was just, um, I, I was afraid. I was really afraid. But God, God really put a piece in my heart. Before we went out, we, we had our devotions together, and that just kind of brought it all together. It brought, you know, I calmed my heart and um, calmed me down, and I was ready to share. And I was, you know, I, I was sure there were going to be many people that would reject us and that wouldn't want to hear what we were saying. And um, it was on the contrary. There were so many people that were just so open. They wanted to know. They wanted to hear. And um, I'd never, I, I'd never doing this before. I, you know, I didn't, I couldn't believe it. I was just, I was stunned. And um, there were, there were people though that, um, you know, they were depending on different things. There was one woman that had shared that her father was a Jewish, um, very pious Jewish man, and that his religion was good enough for her, and etc. And anyways, she was basing her faith and her belief and her salvation on what her father had done. And you hear that, you hear that in books, and you hear that in classes and stuff, but. Then to hear someone say that, it just, it really stung me. And um, I'd just like to share Jeremiah 
6.21, part of the verse says, Behold, I am laying stumbling blocks before this people, and they will stumble against them. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend will perish. And um, I was looking over this and I thought, you know, that kind of describes what these people are going through. They, you know, they, they don't, they're holding on to something that's keeping them from having what we have. And um, I guess it kept emphasizing, gosh, you guys are so clear. <laughs> um, it kept emphasizing what, um, what they had shared with us before. You know, n- not a word that we say or anything we do is, is going to be of our power. You know, it's, it's coming from the Lord. And um, I, I really found that was true. Um, going out and doing this has really excited me because I just want to do it again. And I hope, I hope each of you have made a commitment because of being able to do this to go out and share your faith on a regular basis. There's going to be, like Tony Diana was sharing, there's going to be times, you, you know, everything is going to get in the way, keep you from doing that. I just I would really encourage you to, to do it. It's the best blessing that you could ever have. Um, I just want to share a brief thing. Was, um, Friday afternoon, <clears throat> last time we went out, about 5.30, went to the last, went to this house, and a young man opened the door, and, and um, I basically, you know, gave my spiel that I've been given all week, you know, inviting the Grace Baptist Church, and you ever thought about a personal relationship with Lord Jesus Christ? And he says, he says, yeah. And I said, well, I'd just like to take a few minutes and share that with you. And he says, sure. So he went to the gospel track with them, and um, he was so tentative and so... Um, so ready. His heart was, the Lord prepared him so much. And he was so ready. And I says, well, I says, are you ready, are you ready to accept the Lord right now? And I says, don't, I says, and then I went and explained it. You know, this is just not a prayer. It's just a total commitment of your life. And um, he says, yeah. And I says, hey, that's great. Let's get on our hands and knees and pray. And um, he says, great. Come on in the house and, and, and we'll do it. And he was so open. It just amazed me. You know, you go on all week and hitting 100, 150 houses, something like that. And um, people, we really didn't have anybody that totally rejected us. I think we had one man that, that didn't want to didn't want to take the stuff. But, you know, you always, you, you're always hearing, well, I have another religion. And you try and, and, um, and you um, continue on that a little bit more by saying, well, what church you go to? And um, if you die today, would you go to heaven? And do you have a basis for that foundation? And people say, well, yeah, I go to the Methodist church, I go to this church, I go to that church. And you try and ask them, what is their basis for their, for them going to heaven? And most of them said, well, I don't have the time, or I don't want, I don't want to talk with you anymore. I think that's so sad, because if we're Christians and we really have the Lord, why don't we want to share that? You know, We only had two people. I think I met really two people the whole week. Um, one went to Grace Community, and another one was a Church of Christ. And she really had a foundation for their, you know, for their salvation. But um, I think it was so exciting to see how the Lord prepared this young man's heart. Um, I also ask you to pray for him. He's 16, year, 16 years old. His name is John Velasquez. And he's from a Catholic ba- background. And he lives in Saugus. And um, he doesn't have any support. And he's young. And um, so just pray that the church can take him in. And you can find at home church and some fellowship. And I think that's important after... Um, an experience like that where he's accepted Christ where he needs that support so pray that maybe I have a phone number and address that, that I can be that support group for him for now and then help him get into the church but I think it was just the most exciting thing that I really saw was just the last the last person in the last door that the Lord let me go to was a man prepared his heart and it wasn't anything I did because I've been doing it all week and saying the same thing and, and trying to do the same thing but it wasn't anything that I did the Lord prepared his heart and um 
And another thing I do is encourage you to, if somebody asks you, you know, about that, you know, people need that encouragement also, and they can see that um, experience in you and what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for your life. Because most people don't want to share that, and I thought that was really sad. People say that the United States is 50%, people, you know, about 50% of the nation is Christian, but I wouldn't, not from what I've seen, not from what I've seen at all. And I think people are just fooling themselves. And um, I think we need to share our, our salvation if we have the opportunity. And not just to do it on a missions week, but do it whenever we have time. I'm, there's A lot of people had the uh, experience of when they went, um, they wore their eye care t-shirts, and then they went into a drugstore or something like that, and people ask them, um, what does that mean? You know, and, and that's, another, that's another opportunity for, for you to share. So I encourage you to do that also. Thank you. When we were given the opportunity to choose between the three mission projects, I just really felt compelled to do this one here in the Valley. Our family has lived here for almost four years, and I do go to Grace Baptist and I'm familiar with the opportunities here too, so it just seemed to be the obvious thing. And as I prayed about it ahead of time, one of the things I was concerned about was that I would not look like a Jehovah Witness. And so thankfully the college supplied the t-shirts to make sure we didn't. But I realized also that having been a housewife for about 15 years, I could not recall a Christian ever coming to my door. I've had a lot of Jehovah Witnesses and a lot of Mormons, but never a Christian. And so it just became more and more exciting, even though this kind of witnessing is not my style. I've done it before. I've done the surveys on the beach and at the Rose Parade and that kind of thing, and it was exciting. But yet, in my natural day-to-day life, this isn't the way I ordinarily witness. But the thing that was really exciting then was because I felt this was a unique opportunity for me. I found as we went out that one of the side benefits that I enjoyed and others might have was the encouragement it gave to the Christians we did see because they found the same thing. They did not have others visiting them that were Christian. And so it was exciting the fellowship that we could have, the encouragement to them that we were doing it, that they prayed for us then as we went on, and also the encouragement to them to reach out to their neighbors, to know that they had actually gotten a nice little pamphlet for spiritual laws that had the the essential gospel uh, message in it, scripture. And so it gave them uh, maybe another uh, seed or another opportunity to kind of build on that. And I thought, too, that uh, as I proceed with this now, I do intend to wear my eye care t-shirt again. I had thought we were all going to wear them today, but... uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I've made a commitment that I'm going to wear it once in a while, not every day, of course. But, um, and I want to make sure I have some of these around. I thought for, maybe we didn't pass out 5,000 because I've got a few left in my van, but I found that we had some extras. And so I intend to pass these out on occasion. I'm going to keep some in my purse, especially for when I'm wearing my T-shirt. And also, I used to carry four spiritual laws with me and then didn't seem to use them. I'm going to make sure I have them with me. Because I think that there are opportunities, as we have discovered, where people are really, really ready now. They need the scripture. And it's nothing so magic about four spiritual laws as it is the scripture that's there. And I want to make sure I have that tool. I want to have something that I can give them and they can keep. Not me even just sharing the scripture with them. But it was so exciting to see the, uh, the real fruit that was ready to be picked now. And to make sure that I have... Uh, either my seed-ready, watering can, or whatever, so that I can be available for the Lord when the opportunity is there.
Well, um, a lot of really neat things happened when we went out, and uh, when I went out, there was no exception. Um, just to, there's so many things that happened. I'd be up here for a long time if I told you all the good things that were happening. Uh, just for the time that I went out, let alone what everyone else did. Um, the first day that we went out, we came across a guy. I think he was his name was Perry. He's 90 years old. Going to be 90 years old in May, and. Uh, he was just really open to the gospel. He was he asked sincere questions, and and as I got halfway through sharing with him, he asked a a very sincere question. He says, "All I want to know is what does God require of me?" And and he was so you could just see it in his eyes that he was so open and so sincere. And uh, so we went away from there pretty assured that that he knew the Lord. And I think he had already known the Lord before we came there, but uh, he just wanted to be sure because he doesn't have too many days left. And uh, that was just one instance. And there, there was another one. We, we met a lady the same day who, who uh, wanted to get out of the Catholic Church. And uh, she wants to go to a Protestant church. She wants to, she wants to get away from that ritual. And uh, it just so happened that we were there knocking on her door, telling her that of a, of a good church that she could go to. And she was really excited to know that. Her name is Yolanda. And uh, it was really neat. She just had a really open heart about her. She was cooking dinner, and she, she turned it off on, on the oven just so she could talk with us. And it was great. And then uh, just just to show the sovereignty of God, um, a while back, maybe like two or three months ago, I went golfing with a couple of friends of mine here. And uh, we met a guy that, that wanted to join our group to make a foursome. And uh, we played golf, and, and we got down to the end. We were done. And uh, I just I got to share with him just a little bit. You know, I invited him to church and, and that, and it kind of left it at that. And uh, as we were going door to door here, it just so happened that we, we came across this guy, and it was it was really neat. You know, it was really surprised. He saw me, and I saw him, and it was just really neat. And so he wants to start going to Grace Baptist, too, and that's really exciting. You know, he was really open. He's going to a church in Glendale, but now he wants to start coming here. And uh, that's just a few of the things, but the, the really neat thing that happened is uh, it was on Thursday morning. Uh, Tammy Melton and I went out, and uh, we'd knocked on a few doors. And uh, we'd had some good responses before that, but it was getting near, like, you know, about the time that we had to come in. And uh, we met this lady who knocked on her door, and she invited us in. And I won't go into all the details because I'd be here for a long time. But she invited us in, and I got to share the gospel with her. I went through the track with her. And uh, she'd never really heard this before. I asked her, like, halfway through, has anybody ever explained Christ to you? Has anybody ever told you about God? And she said, no. No one had re- never really explained that to me. And uh, you, you could notice at first when she let us in, she was kind of hesitant to let us in. And, uh, but as I started explaining the gospel to her and, and asking her if she understood every point, you know, just going through it, not just running through it and reading it, but just asking her if she understood it, her whole face was just changing. You know, and I think Tim was saying Monday that you could just see the glow on a person who accepts Christ or who starts to understand the gospel. And that's such a neat thing to, to see that happen is when someone responds to the gospel. And she was doing that, and, and we were getting really excited because, you know, she was understanding it. And then there was another guy there that kept on coming in and out of the room, and he was asking a few questions too, and he wanted to know what this was all about. And he even asked me, he says, uh, he says do you ever read the Bible and sometimes feel real bad? <laughs> and I said, yeah, a lot, you know. And uh, he says, well, he said, I can't read the Bible because I feel bad. You know, I feel convicted when I read it. And this is a man who's, who's never really heard the gospel. He just wanted to read the Bible. And uh, it was really neat. So the irony of it was is that Shirley, the girl that we were talking with, she decided that she didn't want to accept Christ at that time. She, she understood it, and I feel that she was 
just about ready to do it, but she felt she understood the commitment that it took. And then the man's name was Darwin, and he understood the commitment. And he said, yeah, I want to accept Christ. I want to know him. And so Tammy and I, we, we sat down and we prayed with him, and, and he received Christ into his heart. And it's just such a neat thing. I mean, the joy of just leading someone to the Lord is, is inexpressible. It really is. And uh, if there's anything that I'd like to do, that's what I'd like to do, is just lead people to the Lord. Because it's such a neat thing to do, to see people's lives change and to see their, their whole face and everything change about them. And uh, I'd just like to share a verse. First Corinthians 15:58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And there's many doors that we knocked on that people didn't respond. And we don't know, we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what their response is now. But we do know that, that our toil is not in vain in the Lord. And that the Lord, that we have to leave the results up to the Lord, but we need to be faithful with what he's given us, the knowledge that he's given us. And we need to share that. And uh, that's all I'd say. Thanks. Just to give a response for the church. And what can I say? You've encouraged us. We've had over 500 man hours, as near as I can count, dedicated to the church in going door to door visiting in behalf of the name of Jesus Christ. I shared with the students who were going to go out, they that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Here they are. Here's the names of people that have responded to the invitation at the door. Here are two girls, eight years of age, Marla Bell, Eva Miranda. Here's another person who was eight years of age, uh, Maxine Underville. Here's a boy. He happens to be a buddy of my grandson. His name is Mike Limpak. He accepted the Lord, 16 years of age. There's John Vasquelli, there's Gil Hillcamp, there's Laura Vasunar, and there's Mrs. Box bringing our sheaves with us to pray and ask the Holy Spirit of God to watch over Satan's ministry that he will not be able to pluck up what's been planted. The seed's been planted and it's been an encouragement and it's been a challenge to Grace Baptist Church. But just have to share with you, we also got one card in the mail return. It says, if you're so Christian, why don't you stay in your own domain? Respect the feelings of others and quit disturbing the barking dogs and the night-working people who try to sleep days. We don't buy religion at the doorstep. I'd like to pray for that man. Will you join me as we just pray together? Father, we thank you for what these young people have done. They've encouraged us. They have challenged us. And we rejoice that we've been able to work together in this three-day session. And Lord, we bring these names before you and just pray that your Holy Spirit will work in the lives of each one of these young people and older people as well. Some who are recorded here and some that we don't even have the names of. But we're just rejoicing together that the angels of heaven have been rejoicing too over souls that have come to Jesus Christ, that precious name of Jesus. And they've invited him to be their Lord and their Savior. 
And we just pray that Satan will not be able to pluck up what's been planted, but the seed sown in their heart will bring forth fruit unto everlasting life. And we're just trusting you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess if there's one word I would leave with you, it would be the word stewardship. What do you usually think of when you think of stewardship? Money, right? There's also a stewardship of time. Each one of us get exactly the same amount, but we're just as responsible as stewards for what we do with our time. And I just feel very indebted to this group for what they've done in going out and witnessing door to door and sharing even an invitation from Pastor Tom, from others. If you haven't seen the invitation, it's a cute little brochure that R.W. and I were able to put together quickly. And the wonderful thing is the four spiritual laws will be in every home where the Reader's Digest goes. This month, it just came out yesterday, Arthur DeMoss has included that in a beautiful fashion in the Reader's Digest, and they'll look and they'll say, oh, that's what those kids shared at the door with me. Now here it is again. And I just trust that God's going to use this tremendous tool for His glory and His honor And we'll look forward to that day when we stand in his presence in the wonderful name of Jesus and we'll find people from all over the Santa Clarita Valley that trust Christ because you were faithful, because you used your stewardship wisely, because you gave your time to the Lord Jesus and allowed him to work through you this week. Thank you. exciting, huh? Um, just quickly, there's two things I want to share, uh, take this opportunity for. There's a lot of testimonies. There's a lot more testimonies. I know everyone here has many testimonies on their heart, the blessings of sharing the Word of God, the saving message of the Gospel. Just basically two things that really um, have been impressed upon my heart through this time, through uh, over a period of time, but have really been magnified through the privilege and the opportunity to go out. And that's basically this, compassion and conflict. Compassion and conflict. In the verses that were on my heart, Matthew chapter 9 and verses 36 through 38, when Jesus saw the multitude and he had great compassion in his heart because of the shepherdless sheep that were wandering aimlessly. Um, as R.W. said, how people are out there and they're not even aware that they're lost. And And how that grieves me because for so many years I was and all of us at some time in our life walked in darkness according to the ways, the course of this world. Um, So it was compassion. One house that we went to, uh, we knocked on the door, we talked to this lady. Uh, She was a Mormon. My heart was broken as I spoke to her because she was so in her heart confirmed in the things that she believed. at least she tried to appear that way. And, and, and she had come from false teaching to false teaching. Uh, so she spoke of being gratified and fulfilled in the Mormon church. And, 
And the thing that really broke my heart as I shared with some of the folks is that as we were leaving the house out in the driveway, one of the little kids uh, called out to me and said, you're Justin's dad, aren't you? And it was a friend of my son, and I looked, and then another little boy came out, and, and he said, yeah, Katie too. And I recognized the kids as being, uh, there's three brothers who live on the same street as I do. Uh, and it just really broke my heart because I saw these kids and I saw my own children when I looked at them. And it was something um, that just grieved me. It grieved me to think that they were in the home of this false teaching and, and they're, they're bound for hell, really. Uh, the compassion. And so my prayer for my heart and for all of our hearts, even as we get involved in specific structured ministries like this, that, that two things specifically. One, that we would understand that the impact that we're going to have for Jesus Christ is going to be as someone shared in our day-to-day lives and the people that we come into contact with. And I pray for all of our hearts that we would have the compassion that Christ had. And that as we see people that we would understand the first thing that would come into our mind is, do they know Jesus Christ or are they going to hell? Do they know the fruitful and abundant life or are they empty and dead? Secondly is the conflict, as I mentioned, just going through Colossians and even thinking in Philippians when Paul exhorted the saints at Philippi and he said that they might stand together in one spirit with unity of mind for the, for, uh, uh, for the faith in the gospel against the opponent, against the enemy. And how that is a major theme in Paul's writings is the conflict, the struggle. Um, it's the contest. And we are in a struggle. We are in a, a contest. We are in a war. And so much of that, many times, we're not even aware of. And that will hinder us from going out. That will hinder us from sharing our faith. That will hinder us from walking with Christ. And so the first key is, is we fight that battle in our lives for our own personal relationship. And then as a result of that, as we walk through our lives, that's the overflow. And we can't help but do that. So the thing that really um, has my heart is the compassion of Christ. I desire to have that compassion in my life, in my heart. That as I see people, that I would weep. That I would grieve over people going to hell. And it turned out with those little children, two days before we went out, the two Mormon missionaries moved into their home. That their household is supporting these two Mormon missionaries, two young men. I had an opportunity to talk with them a little bit on the second day that we were out. I wasn't able to go out and I was working. I came home from work and I was out in the yard and they came up. Or they went next door and they were taking some pictures and, and we began to talk. So basically... Um, testimonies we all have them i'm sure and we had an excellent time i was so encouraged to going out where i'm from back in new england it's much different going door to door it's much harder um, people i don't mean harder to do it i mean the people that that you come into contact with are much harder much less open although we know the fruit of the ministry is in the hands of god we're being obedient we're sowing the seed trusting that the spirit will take that seed and bring forth life to His glory. That's not our dealing, but to be obedient and sow the seed. But as I went out, just to see the openness of the people. It was, it was funny because even in our time of sharing with one another, people were commenting on how many Catholics that they 
ran into. And I was thinking to myself at home, a conservative estimate, I would say 95% of the people are involved in Catholicism. So basically the two things that I would share this morning is compassion and the conflict or the struggle, the battle that each one of us is in is Christian. And we need to be aware of that. And we need to strive, as the Apostle Paul said, according to his power that mightily works within us. Thank you. Well, our time has drawn to a close and we need to get to class and everything. It's gone so rapidly. I was just sitting here thinking as Tony was sharing about uh, a young man that I talked to at the at the front door, at his front door, and Chris Brockman and I were calling together that afternoon and he knocked on the door and the guy came to the door and and uh, Tony's words, and uh, Tony had part of the training, and his words kept ringing in my ears, and his words were, take it as far as you can. Take it as far as you can. That's what boldness is all about. And so I tried to take it as far as I could with this guy and, and ask him about his spiritual condition. And he looked at me, and he just said, I'm a semi-Christian. And I thought, huh, this guy is a trucker, you know. And... Uh, so I said, 10-4, good buddy. I got something I want to share with you. Not really. And I said, but I just said, explain to me, what's a semi-Christian? And he said, well, I was raised in a Christian home. And I really turned my back on everything that I had learned. And I turned my back on my parents. And he said, I have got really involved in the world for about four years. And he said, I figured out in a hurry what the world has to offer. And he said, now I'm coming back home. And he says, I'm making things right with God and I want to get involved with the church and, and all this kind of stuff. And one thing I thought, I thought, you know, I'm out in the community knocking on doors and getting that kind of response. I wonder how many dorm rooms I'd knock on and get that same kind of response too. And that's my own testimony. Raised in a Christian home and trying what the world had to offer. Seeing what it was all about and coming back home to God. And what an exciting thing. We've got a lot of work yet to do. We've just touched the tip of the iceberg. And uh, I'd like to encourage you to be involved in Operation I Care in the future. No matter what ministry you're involved with right now, we're going to keep it going by the grace of God as long as people are interested in going out and making the kinds of contacts that we've heard about this morning. We're going to keep it going through the, through the local church here. And we're, Lord willing, right now we're going to go out every Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 5 in the afternoon. We're going to start going out on some Saturday mornings. We're not sure exactly which ones from 10 till noon on Saturday morning. And that's prime time out there in the neighborhoods. If you're interested in being involved in this ministry, I would encourage you to write your name and some way we can contact you down on a piece of paper and either give it to me after chapel or drop it by my office in Viter Hall, Room 20. And we'll put it together. We'll contact you and we'll, we'll tell you how you can be involved in the continuation of Operation I Care. And uh, just kind of jot down on there, too, which time you'd be interested in, either Wednesday afternoon or Saturday morning. Let's pray together in closing. Lord, we thank you for the lives you've touched. We just claim the promise of your word that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which you attend, intend it. And we pray that all the word that's been planted now in 5,000 homes 
Father, our imagination just runs wild as we begin to think about how all of that can, can have an impact in individual lives. And we pray that in the next weeks and months and even into eternity that we'll, that we'll just be rejoicing as we hear the results coming back one after another with what you've done with the faithfulness of this particular team and how you've blessed us just to, be able, just to allow us to be used in this tremendous plan that you've put together. We thank you for the opportunity we've had and we look to the future trusting you for what can be done. In Jesus' name, amen.